Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of the Helping Children Learn podcast here at the Carbon Lehigh Intermediate Unit Number 21. Today's episode is about early intervention, and I'm here with Dr. Kathy Nelson, who was our early intervention supervisor, and Amber Snyder, who is one of our early intervention social workers. Ladies, how are we today? Awesome. How are you? So, like, we start every episode as we're talking about early intervention, we'll let you explain that a little bit, but how does the early intervention program at the CLIU help children learn? We are proud supporters of early intervention here at the IU. I feel like when you really think about what early intervention is, is we're the foundation of the special education process for students and their families. So we you know, do evaluations for students and we're looking at their eligibility for you know, having a developmental delay or a speech and language impairment, which would then allow them to get services. But through that process, it, you know, we're building rapport with families, we're educating families about what early intervention is and how we can help their kiddos learn. Um, but the special part about early intervention is we're oftentimes the first exposure that a child or a family has to getting therapy services, to the education system, and just to that whole learning process as a preschooler. I'm imagining children who don't enter the system get some at-home diagnosis and at-home remedy, so to speak, and so they, I would say, start off a little off-footed. I imagine that happens with some families. Perhaps you could have a family that comes into early intervention later on in that time continuum. So usually we're seeing students, you know, three to five, but if a student doesn't come in until six months before his or her fifth birthday, then that's some time that we've kind of lost to be able to put services into place on our end. Um, We're really helping children learn to be students and helping them prepare for kindergarten, which is such an exciting time for families and for kids. And so everything that we can do in those two years leading up to help prepare for that to be a successful transition is important. Yeah, and to add to that with, you know, you talking about like at-home remedies or we're one piece of the puzzle, you know, and um, one of our supervisors once said like there's there's a large pie and, and we're one piece of it and that's really what special education is. So oftentimes like with my role as a school social worker, I'm connecting families to other community resources. So you were mentioning, Dominic, like what else is out there? A lot of times families maybe would go for a medical assessment by like a developmental pediatrician or they're taking their child for outpatient speech therapy, all while having an IEP and getting, you know, the services that we can offer here at the IU. So it looks different for every kid. Yeah, because obviously we want informed parents. We also want active parents. So obviously I want parents to be involved, but I think sometimes, you know, we want to make sure that they have the right tools, obviously. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I wanted to talk about hitting on this is getting them in and really the goal of getting them out. And I think a lot of parents Really, we're talking to the skeptical parents right now is that they think if my child goes into the system now, the system, quote unquote, which it's, you know, it's not as scary as this big machine seems to be. But what's your message to parents who maybe are a little eerie of, okay, my son may or may not be autistic or my daughter may or may not have an intellectual disability, but I don't want them to be caught up in whatever this is. I think there's a lot of you know, uh, public information I think that we need to work on, right? Sure. In early intervention, we see over 2,300 students in a school year. And so we have a very large program with a lot of different branches to it. So out of that large number of students, 
we have a generous percentage that by the time they finish with early intervention services um, may no longer need special education services once they reach school age. The other side of that is we're affiliated obviously with the CLIU and so we have an opportunity to work with children early on and if those students may need more intensive services in school age, then districts can always reach back out to us um, to get information and to talk about what programs that a student might be eligible for in school age. Yeah, and I have to give our staff kudos. I mean, our staff do a phenomenal job of building relationships, not just with their students, but families. And I think that, you know, that happens IU-wide, but particularly in early intervention because we aren't like a Monday through Friday full day school program. Right, um, right. The government just doesn't have funding that sets us up that way. So we are really having to like meet students and families where they're at. Like Dr. Nelson had said, we provide services at our own IU centers, but then also out in the community. We are in virtually every daycare and preschool. I think, Kathy, you said over 300, over sites, 300 sites in the community. So think about that reach. So we are constantly educating people and making them feel comfortable as you know they enter our program, but then also as their child's needs change, you know, just making sure everybody's on the same page and making families feel, you know, that their voice is being heard and they are driving the car to this process too. What do you want for your child? What's your vision for them? You know, is your hope to have them in an inclusive environment in kindergarten? Um, so just taking all of those considerations and working off of that as we, you know, are providing services to them in our program. And I'm imagining that you can talk to a parent and, and, and give them all this information. How do you maybe break through, maybe break the ice with a parent who just, like I said, there's just a lack of trust? How do you really, how do you engage those parents? I think all of our staff kind of do it in different ways. One of the things that we, you know, do is bring families into our programs, you know, have in-person meetings. We have a strong emphasis on communication. Uh, one of our coordinators is a licensed speech therapist, and she does a lot with, you know, communication devices and getting things like that started for kiddos who maybe have limited speech abilities. So, for instance, we would bring a family in and show them things that we are maybe doing in a classroom with their child so that they then can implement those in their home setting as well. So really just making them once again feel as, as part of the team as possible and empowering families to know that they can do this too and they are a huge piece of that, that component. Yeah, empowering families and even out in daycare settings too, empowering staff, the general education staff that work with our students. So part of the services that we provide, not just that direct time with students, but showing families and the other providers that we have opportunities throughout the day to meet students' needs and work on their goals. So if we think how we learn just naturally, it's best when we're immersed in, in a situation we're learning by doing. For kids, it's the same way. So you know, that direct time has its time and place and its benefits, but we need to empower families and empower the other providers, the general education providers, to feel confident in addressing some of those needs and using different strategies because think about how many awesome opportunities there are in a day for one child. It's not just about that, that small time frame. Is there a child maybe recently that you've seen that, you know, has gotten in and out it may be a matter of years, a couple of years. And is there a diagnosis that typically gets in and out quicker than, and maybe not? 
Yeah, I have an example of that. So in our program, when we're doing our special education evaluations, we really talk to families about like developmental delays. So we look at areas like cognitive skills, communication skills, adaptive skills, really big right now is social emotional skills and behaviors. So, you know, through our evaluation process, which is how every child comes into our program, Mm -hmm. we're having those conversations to kind of plant the seeds. And from there, building goals for a kiddo. So what are we going to work on in our program? So to answer your question, Dominic, we just had a student that I just talked to Kathy about. As a perfect example, he started in our program in one of our IU classrooms rooms and the teacher started to have those like empowering conversations with the parent like your child is really capable and making a lot of progress let's try maybe a community preschool with IU supports there so she did and so year one he was in our classroom year two he was in a community preschool with IU supports he just transitioned to kindergarten to his district and didn't qualify for an IEP so that is like the ultimate success so we definitely have you know those success stories and there's nothing better than hearing that and our teacher you know that initially had that student she started that trajectory for him you know yeah, and then yeah, the yeah. parent followed through so it it happens because i'm trying to think of it as a parent right and anytime i do anything that's complicated banking or or even looking at like a legal document you see all these big words but it's like okay can you matriculate this information for me to me about you know you can say all these fancy words right but mm-hmm. is my child going to make it in three years into a traditional classroom setting. And I think when you hear a story like that, it makes a, puts a parent a little more at ease because it's like, okay, even if the data is not there, the anecdotal evidence says that, okay, here's a child that's doing it, of course, and that means my child has a chance as well. Uh, I don't have children, but you know, I'm just trying to think of it from a, from a perspective of, I hear all this data, I hear all this information, but is my child going to be able to do this? And obviously we're seeing that that's possible. Yeah, and we tell parents, we're honest with parents. You know, we don't have like this magic ball to look to the future to see what your child is going to do. We have all of the resources, the strategies, Mm -hmm. the professional staff with tons of expertise. Um, But we are honest and transparent with parents to say like, kids change, especially in early childhood. I think that's what makes this so unique. Kids are changing constantly, um, and so we don't know. We could have a kiddo that is relying on an iPad to communicate, and then in a few weeks, they're you know spontaneously using verbal words to tell you what they want. So there's beautiful things that happen, but it's just unpredictable. We just know we give it our best with you know the strategies that we can offer families and kids. And that's one of the most rewarding things that I've seen since coming into early intervention because prior to January of last year, I was in school age programming and switching over to EI and seeing the rate at which our kids progress is just amazing. I mean, part of that is developmental, right? Because they're so young, but then seeing what our staff members do with them and how invested they are in each case. Um, When I walk into a classroom in the very beginning of a year and see a student and then I come in eight Mm -hmm. weeks later and I can see a a measurable difference just in my interactions with them, it's amazing. And then you had talked about you see these changes happening faster. Where were you a supervisor before early intervention? I was supervising for the IU and I had school age emotional support, multiple disabilities support functional and vision. And in those, in in that category of, of, of student, you didn't see those changes as fast as you do obviously when they're like three, four, and five? 
Right. In my early elementary programs, we would still see a, a fast rate, but in EI, there's definitely a market difference. So speaking of these fast changes, the last part of our show is what Dr. Coons, our executive director, is calling our small wins or small Ws. We talk about overarching goals and requirements and all of these things from, from PDE, which is the Pennsylvania Department of Education. But it really comes down to what are we seeing in the classrooms, these moments that kind of make a teacher say, okay, this is why I come in. Uh, you said you had a story about a coffee cup. Can you talk about that small <laughs> W? Sure. So anybody who knows me knows that I am very fond of my coffee. So I have it with me all the time. But I walked Fantastic. <laughs> I walked into a classroom yesterday, actually, and there's a student that we've been working with who has some communication needs, and we've been trialing communication devices and just kind of um, working on spontaneous communication versus just repeating and um, what we call echolalia. So I walked in with my coffee cup and I had it in front of me. He approached me, he gestured to my coffee cup, looked me in the eye and said, can I? And he had this big smile on his face. I was like, can you what? And then he just giggled and ran away to go play. But the fact that he spontaneously was starting a request at seeing my cup was amazing. So we definitely celebrated. And obviously this is a student that wasn't asking you anything and you were, every time you would speak to him, you'd have to start the prompt. You mean prior to this? Yeah. Yeah, prior to this, he will just kind of repeat things if you say them to him. There's not a lot of spontaneous communication. Yeah, so what that means, Dr. Nelson, is maybe we should start offering coffee to the students <laughs> during snack time. <laughs> yeah. It'll be the most motivating way to make a request. <laughs> Even or if it's bad staff. coffee, I will show up. I will yeah, show up. Maybe we should do staff snack time. There you go. <laughs> Midday coffee. Amber, what's one of your small W's? What's something that you've seen lately that makes you just want to come back? You know, as a social worker, I feel like it's so, you know, it, it can be hard at times because we're referring families to community resources. And I think post-COVID, some of those community resources just aren't mm. as strong as they once were. But to me, like on a daily basis, whenever I have a family saying, hey, I called that behavioral health company that you had mentioned to me and I have an appointment in a week, you know, that is like, those are the small W's on a daily basis. I'm going to kind of be selfish and bring up a big W just to That's great. Kind of highlight. Well, the thing is, though, the small I. W's are really big W's, but they're just so pinpointed. Yeah. So, yeah, they're all big. Yeah, yeah. So um, we started a parent engagement committee this year in early intervention. Oh, that's awesome. We have about like 25 staff that are volunteering their time during, you know, the day to just get together and discuss how we can expand on like some extracurricular opportunities or parent engagement opportunities for families. Because, you know, to your point that you brought up earlier, like a lot of families have, you know, some barriers. Um, mm -hmm. Families sometimes are really connected and know where to turn, other times not so much. So we are kind of building off of that and we held our first event that was paired with a soccer team and we invited our IU Sorry, EI I couldn't families. be there. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I have pictures. But we invited our EI families to come, and we had 30 families RSVP, and there was nothing better than seeing these families show up. These kids have never maybe played a sport before. They're kicking the soccer ball like champs. The families are clapping for them and cheering them on and just so proud of their kids. And we even had some families that said, like, oh, so-and-so, you know, really hit it off with Johnny, um, another student, and I got to connect with his parent and we, sh you know, shared stories and we want to get together for a play date, you know? So yeah. connecting families outside of the classroom 
is something we're doing. So we're rolling out like a caregiver training series. We're doing some library events with the oh, public libraries. Yeah. So it's gotten pretty big in a short amount of time. But I just have to bring that up and thank our staff for, you know, really trying to expand on this part of our program. And something like that is a model because it seems that any one of our departments could do something like this. Mm -hmm. So if someone sees it working successfully in the EI world, maybe someone in assistive technology or someone in... Yeah. Now I could, you know, we, there's like ten departments I could Lots just spitball. Yeah. Maybe the business department could do something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. what they need. <laughs> yeah, but no, we do like you know, for instance, in school age, they offer like uh, you know a dance for some of their students. So there are a, a lot of community resources um, and agencies that offer parent support. But it's just so awesome for us to be able to do that for our yeah. students. And like some of the staff volunteered and came out on a Saturday and saw their students outside of you know, a therapy session. And how awesome is that, you know? Yeah, it is. I believe too, it all comes full circle to the questions you were asking before about how do we how do we help families, you know, to feel more comfortable with our programs. It all comes down to relationship building. And so the start of this parent engagement committee is really with that in mind and how can we create opportunities to engage with families in some way other than the formal IEP meeting, yeah. you know, and yeah. have those experiences where we can celebrate their kids together and build that trust. Like I end every, ladies, thank you so much. This was fun, right? Thanks for uh, having us. We're happy to come back. Is there anything else <laughs> Is there anything else you'd want to add that, you know, we didn't cover, just something quick, maybe something you were, you were thinking that you wanted to say that we just didn't get to? No, I think I think we were able to summarize that EI is simply the best. <laughs> the IU, of course, uh, uh, not not a narcissistic answer at all. And specifically, IU twenty one. No, um, no, but we thank you for having us here because yeah, I great. think oftentimes people don't know what early intervention is, and we are such a huge program. We reach so many students and families, and it's really a great department to be a part of. Absolutely. And if there are families out there looking to do a referral and they're not sure how to do that, the best way is to call the IU directly and then it is extension 1256 and we can get the referral process started for you. Okay. Now there is a little bit of a bonus material because we're going into small W's personally. Mrs. Iron Woman over oh, here. Yes. <laughs> we don't have to get into it too hard, but you just did an Ironman triathlon in Prochech. Porech. Porech, yeah. Croatia. So you literally went nearly halfway around the world. <laughs> talk, talk to us about that little experience a little bit. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, something that I live by professionally and personally is uh, a mantra, what if you can? So it's this mindset of possibility. And I feel like in the field that we're in, it resonates so well. And so personally, the way that's translated for me is a health and fitness journey. And so a couple of years ago, I really wasn't prioritizing myself or my needs. And um, I started off just looking to lose some weight and eventually got into running and then triathlon. So when I started, my ultimate goal, you know, was an Ironman. And people looked at me like, what are you talking about? Sure, Kathy, whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that's great. Sure. And uh, when I get something in my mind and really get determined about it, I make it happen. And so I did that with hours and hours of training for yeah. this, you know, in before work, after work, that kind of thing. But I have to say that the IU support that I had was second to none. I mean, the, the boost that that gave me on race day and knowing that 
I had the support of the CLIU family behind me was big. There was a moment in the swim where I couldn't see anything. The sun was in my eyes. Um, the <laughs> swell was huge. I could, all I could do was heat. The water was ripping you around it, a little bit. It really was. And um, I had a kayaker next to me. And she said, okay, just swim into the sun. And I was getting nervous, and all of a sudden it hit me, oh, there's a cutoff time for the swim. I have to do this in an hour and 10 minutes, or I'm disqualified, and I have no idea how long I've been in the water. So at that point, I'm like, I did not come this far to leave now. I can't let everybody down. I need to go. So I just swam with as much heart as I could blindly into the sun till I reached the shore, and yeah. <laughs> well, we have, we are proud of you, Kathy. Oh, yeah, that is so. That's insane, that actually. Insane. I know mental. Fitness. I just started off running, and then I end up in Croatia. Like, did you wake up there? Like, Swimming that's amazing. Into the sun. But we have a giggle for you because I ran into Dominic in the parking lot like after you had completed it. And I was like, oh, Dominic, you know, he posted about your your success. And I was like, that was such a nice post. And Dominic made a comment that he does a 5K every year, a.k.a. DJs at a 5K. <laughs> every Thanksgiving morning, it is it is part of my volunteer work. But I run the music, but I do not run. Right. So every role counts. Yeah, thanks. And I play the Rocky Balboa theme song, you know. Well, so Kathy can sign up to run in the five. There you go. DJ Dominic. Yeah, It'll be a team that's approach. basically uh, uh, a 5K for her is like me walking my dog in the morning. <laughs> Twenty minutes, no sweat. I can go to work. So I just wanted to get that in there because I don't think many people do Ironman competitions. Not that I know of. Uh, and you couldn't find one in the States? You had to go to Croatia? Well, my other option was Florida in a lake, and all I could think about was being gator bait because I'm not the fastest swimmer, um, but we also have friends in Croatia, so it was just, as soon as I saw that that's where- Oh, there's layers to this. This is, yeah. this is wild. Yeah, and so. on a personal note, if you ever need to like travel on a budget, Kathy's the expert in that. So you a budget traveler. Okay, well maybe we gotta do something with that, so. <laughs> Yeah, I, this is like Liberty <laughs> Travel with Dr. Nelson, and you can run and travel and then... And be an expert in special ed. Yeah. At the same time. Ladies, this was enjoyable. Thank you so much. Have a lovely rest of your day, okay? Thank you.